The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Which band member smells the worst? Oh, I actually haven't known for a while, so that's a great question. Wow, good for us. Well, because I lost my sense of smell months back. <laughs> it's been great. Uh, so who was it before? I'm trying to remember. I feel like it has to be you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was Dakota. Right. It definitely Dakota. What's up, guys? This is Cassandra Carson from Paralandra, and you are listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with Steven and Sonny. So it's time for another episode of the Grown Up Rock Podcast. Hollywood, we've got sort of a extended Crank It Up New Music Spotlight episode, really, because we're going to feature a new band that we're very psyched about. We like the music, and we wanted to learn a little bit more about the band Paralandra. So we're going to dive into this, right? Yeah, yeah this is going to be fun because the person you just heard is the lead singer. We're going to introduce her in a second. I want to tell her how I found out about her. So let's go. Let's do it. So with us on the show tonight is singer, songwriter, guitarist for the band Paralandra. And this kind of flows right off the tongue. It's Cassandra from Paralandra. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for pronouncing both names right. Great job. <laughs> First try. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You get bonus points for that. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so, Cassandra, I found out about you guys and about you the old-fashioned way, word of mouth. My best friend lives in Sacramento. He happens to know Jaron. And Jaron, oh. or J is it Jaron or Jaron? Jaron. Jaron. Okay, so he knows Jaron. Jaron introduced him to your band. My friend listens to it and says, he knows I absolutely love Hailstorm, and I'm really getting into, like, the female singers of rock the last probably 15 years or so. And he's like, dude, you got to listen to this because this is not exactly Hillstorm, but it's there. And I listened to two songs. I listened to Gypsy Rose and Can't Quench the Fire. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, dude, her tone is actually a little bit deeper than Lizzie's. There is serious power. And he goes, yeah, when you see her and you see a picture of her, the voice doesn't really match what you see. It's like, and she surprises you with the voice. Have you heard that before? I have not. I'm not sure. I'd be interested what he pictured to go with my voice. <laughs> <laughs> but I've only ever known me to look this way, so I, I don't know. <laughs> you definitely have that deeper tone. And you've got that higher register, too. But, man, that power. And I know you haven't taken vocal lessons, but wherever that power is coming from, good Lord, it's good for you. <laughs> Well, thank you. I come from a family of singers. My mom and my whole mom's side of the family are all vocalists. And like during the holidays and stuff, they would like break out into four part harmony like all the time. <laughs> so I think I've just always been around, you know, really great singers. And I hope to be one of them, too. So. Break me up! Break me up! 
It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. On our episodes, we like to spotlight a band. Obviously, we're spotlighting Paralandra in this episode, but we do what's called a Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. And so for tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight, of course, we would love to feature Paralandra. Can you maybe pick a song and tell us a little bit about the song before we play it? I would love to. I am going to pick the song for the record which is on the new album, Street Magic. And the song, it hits really close to home. It's very personal for me. I actually wrote it like, I don't know, probably six plus years ago, something like that. We've actually tried to record it a couple times and it just never ended up coming out, like sounding the way we wanted it to. So it's been a long time coming for it to even be released. But I wrote this song about just like being really frustrated with being a female in the music industry, as you guys have probably heard. <laughs> it's like kind of ridiculous sometimes. We were going through a point where we were trying to find like management or a record label. Like we were just looking for some kind of official representation, you know, take the band to the next level. But we kept getting turned away because I needed to lose weight. And like, you know, I needed to change the way that I looked and I needed to change my outfits and my makeup and needed to change the way that I sang because it was too much like Lizzie and needed to change the I mean, dude, the list goes on. It was horrible. But um, anyway, so I wrote this song called For the Record, and it's just kind of setting the record straight. It's like, you know what? I do not care what you want, but I'm going to be me no matter what. So either take it or leave it. And it's just saying, I'm not going to change for anybody. And I am who I am. So take it or leave it. So yeah, <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's kind of an angsty song, but I like it. I feel triumphant when I sing it and perform it. <laughs> We love angst songs. Here's for the record. Check it out.
I love the song. So that's a great song. It's a great pick. And uh, thanks for sharing that story behind it. Yeah, thank you. We're going to dig into a bunch of that type stuff because I've got a lot of questions for you. I can imagine that your road in rock and roll is probably much different than a lot of folks' roads. Uh, and so I can't wait to hear the story behind that. Your introduction to hard rock was kind of Van Halen when you got into music, right? Absolutely. That's because your dad was a huge Van Halen fan, right? Yes. But he didn't really, did he brainwash you in that way? Or did you just kind of <laughs> gravitate towards it? Well, some might say brainwashing, but I gladly endured it. I loved it. So uh, he listened to Van Halen all the time and I loved every second of it. I'm a huge Van Halen fan myself. I just found that I really liked a lot of the music that my dad listened to. And so we always just kind of listened to the same stuff, which meant I grew up on a lot of classic rock. And, you know, I didn't really listen to what was coming out at the time. I was listening to music from 20 years ago. You know, it, it was like, you know, keep moving forward as the years went on. I might listen to like a band from the 90s, maybe. <laughs> but um yeah, so huge Van Halen roots. Eddie is a huge inspiration of my dad, guitar-wise, and myself as well. Eddie and Steve Vai would be my top two guitar influencers <laughs> in my life. All in the Van Halen family, so to speak. Right, yeah. <laughs> Melodic shred guitar. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting because I watched a video not too long ago while I was doing research for this conversation we were going to have, and I saw Paralandra playing... It was essentially a cover set, uh, and it was from mm -hmm. a few years ago. It was all over the place. So you came out and you played uh, Still in the Night, which was fine. But then there were like these 80s and 90s pop songs that you turned into rock songs. So whether it was yeah. Lady Lady Gaga or Hall & Oates or just all this different stuff. So yes. your influences are coming from all over the place, right? Yeah, they really do. And you know, I'm glad you actually mentioned that because... I did end up listening to current music once I get into like high school. And that's whenever I started being like obsessed with Katy Perry and Lady Gaga and like kind of listening to the more pop side of things, but still had my rock roots. But I love music from like, I mean, every corner of music or genres, I guess, except for country. I'm not a country fan, but you know, aside from that, I can find joy in pretty much anything I listen to. But yeah, so I just think it's really fun to, you know, rock things up. And I feel like I hear music through a different pair of ears, you know, than the person who wrote it. And I might have a different idea for the song and, you know, people might like it more or less. Who knows? It's just for fun, really. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what's attracting me to your band, because a lot of the bands that I like that are new are blending that like a little bit of that Van Halen, late 70s, early 80s vibe, a little bit of the hair metal, a little bit pop elements. And it makes all the choruses hooky. Right? Exactly. And, yeah. And you don't have to have a shredder, but you have to have a decent guitar player. There's no doubt about that. But you have to have the right singer. And when you mm -hmm. put those things together, like you guys have, man, it is easy listening for me. <laughs> well, thank you. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because my dad and I were actually just talking about this last night because we're, you know, we're songwriting still getting ready for the next album, but we're working on this new song and we were talking about the chorus and we're like, I don't know. I just don't think the guitar is right. I think we're like trying to put more riffs in it than it really needs. And like what makes a song great and what makes a song catchy and popular. And that's like a really big chorus hook that people can sing along with. 
and something that's like, you know, easily singable and hummable in your head. And then everything underneath that is just kind of support and bringing forth that melody. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I agree, I guess is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) There's a story that your dad tells that uh, we saw a couple of interviews where you went to Disney World and you were there for six months, I think, and you were writing some songs. What, What were you there for to begin with he never tells that part of the story like why were you in disney world anyway because it doesn't take six months to experience disney world oh i still didn't experience enough in the six months but i was there for a college internship program oh okay okay yeah it was just like a semester long so i was there working in the magic kingdom and uh (laughs) not taking classes because they were not required (laughs) so (laughs) Uh, I was just living it up in Orlando for six months and it was a lot of fun. But while I was there, I just really was missing music and uh, I would have stayed longer because I love Disney. I loved my friends and the weather and just everything that comes with being in Florida. But uh, I wasn't writing music and I wasn't performing. So I had to come back to Missouri. And for those that are just now learning a little bit about Paralandra, I think it's important to mention because we're going to mention Cassandra's dad quite often throughout this conversation her dad is in the band. So her dad is the guitar player in Paralandra. And I think that's an important thing to point out so that while we're referencing your dad, it's because he plays a pretty big part in the band, obviously. Aside from being just a really cool guy, he he has other reasons to be talked about. (laughs) (laughs) Do you struggle with, is it sometimes you call him dad, you never call him Paul, or if you're in an industry meeting, you got to call him Paul because we're at the record company, or like, do you play Uh with that at all? I mean, no, I call him dad. He is my dad. I don't think I need to change that about myself. That's like one of those things, actually, kind of that goes in with further record about like not conforming to what other people expect of me or want out of me. And actually for a period that actually went into this song, uh, it was partially the inspiration was people saying that we needed to change my dad's name like online and say that he was like Paul Daniels instead of Paul Carson, because if people knew that he was my dad, then we would never be successful and that's not cool. And we need to hide that. And I always hated that. I was like, why are we hiding it? I think it's actually really cool. I'm proud that this is my dad. And I don't know why. I just don't get it. So So that brings me to a real important question, because it goes along with the question I had, which is, it's two parts. One, do you feel like being in a band with your dad loses you some sort of street cred? Or do you guys get any negativity or even positivity thrown your way because of this fact? Uh, I would say we only get positivity. Like people love it. They think it's really cool. Like literally the only people that said it was uncool was like the industry people that were, you know, harshly critiquing us in the very beginning. And, you know, just people that ultimately did not matter, like their opinions didn't, you know what I mean? But nowadays, now that it's not like something that keeps being brought up to us and we're just living it the way that it is, like people accept it and they're like, wow, that's so cool. I can't believe you're in a band with your dad or to him. I can't believe you're in a band with your daughter. Like, isn't that every guy's dream to do music with their daughter? Like, I think it's incredible. And I think everybody else thinks it is, too. Well, I'd I'd heard that he was your dad in the band, but I saw a video, I think was my very first introduction. I was like, who's her dad? Because... 
the guitar player has long hair and he doesn't look, he looks fairly young. So I was like, what do you have her when he was 10? Uh, because he looks, <laughs> he looks fairly young. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. And so I started doing the math today. I was trying to, cause I don't know exactly how old Paul is, but I started trying to do the math and I was like, okay, well, Cassandra's got to be in her twenties. Paul, maybe if he's in his forties, I guess he could have had her at 20. I, I don't know, but he doesn't look like a dad. Like he's got long hair and he looks like even younger than a lot of the guys out there today in bands. So I know. So like, that's also the other part of it. I'm like, it's not like we have this old geezer in a wheelchair on the side of the stage. Like my dad is cut. He takes very good care of himself. People normally think that we're siblings or dating. They never guess that he's my dad. So, I mean, he looks good up there. He shreds. Anybody that we play with is like, they're way more starstruck at him than me, I think. But um, it's always like, you said, lose any street cred, you know, for like having mm -hmm. dad in the band. I have more street cred for having him in the band. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, and dude, that's your dad. He's awesome. Yeah. I'm like, I I'll, know. <laughs> I'll tell you, I've got three beautiful daughters, 18, 19, 24. I would have loved, 27, stupid me, 27. <laughs> I would have loved to be in a band with any of them. I mean, that would have been ultimate dad moment. Are you kidding me? Like, I guarantee he's prouder than proud can be. There's no doubt. So, <laughs> plus the other problem was Sonny didn't have any talent. So there was, well, really that was a <laughs> but they had enough talent. Right. So I, I didn't really have to do nothing. Um, but anyway, uh, they don't have two bass players in a band, do they? Uh, I was just wondering. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> think? There's uh, there's been talk about, you know, you didn't really want to be a singer to begin with, but it's obviously not because of shyness. Was it more about you wanted freedom on stage? Like, let's be real. Did you want to just be able to play guitar and be a goofball and not have yes. to do anything else? Yes. Yeah, that's Thank you for understanding that. I, wow. I didn't even have to answer the question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All I wanted to do was play guitar and just like run around and have fun and not be glued behind a mic stand. Yeah. But now I'm living that life. But <laughs> no, it's actually great. I have grown to love being a co-lead singer and guitarist. I think it's a lot of fun and it's a challenge too, because like a lot of our songs are very intricate on the guitar parts. And a lot of the stuff that me and my dad do are like, they complement each other. They're complementing riffs and parts. So it's not really like just a bunch of chugging and strumming. Like I'm doing technical things while I'm singing. So I don't know. Yeah. It makes it a challenge for me. And I always like setting the bar higher and higher every time I go. So I'm like, what if I could do a solo while I sing? Or what if I could do this while I'm singing and hitting a really high note? Like, I don't know. Just It's like acrobatics or something. It's fun. Now, is Paul the other lead vocalist? Like who's doing the lead on Walk Away With You? Yeah, my dad sang those. Yep. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's the first song he's ever sang on. His first vocal debut ever.
when he brought the song to me, just in its very, you know, infant stages, we were going over the verse and he showed me the melody and he had the lyrics and I was like, this is really good, but it's just a little bit low for my range where I don't feel like I could give it the oomph that it needs. Like, I feel like it needs a male voice that can sing it in a more upper register and that will kind of like give it the tone that it needs, I guess. So anyways, we finally ended up like, you know, twisting his arm and getting him to sing it. He did not want to. <laughs> Both of us are just like, no, we don't want to sing. But we got him to. <laughs> I'd also heard the first song that you did on stage was Sweet Child of Mine. You know, you could have started with like Happy Birthday or something, maybe something a little easier. Is that the first song? No. I don't know. The first song I ever performed was Walk This Way, Aerosmith. Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. That's not so easy either. Old. But... Yeah, I got to fill in on guitar in my dad's cover band when I was 11 years old and played Walk This Way. I felt like such a rock star. That's probably what began my obsession. Since then, I have never put down the guitar. <laughs> so you like playing guitar more so than singing then? Absolutely. A thousand million percent. Yes. Well, you know, you don't always have to be tied down to a mic, though. We can get you one of those Backstreet Boy headset mics and you can run around all day with your guitar. <laughs> Kip Winter yeah, uses I, them a I, lot. I used to have one of those. That was my plan originally. And I used to perform with a little headset mic, but it was very unreliable. So <laughs> I ended up just being like, all right, I guess we need quality, you know, sound for our live performances. So I'll stand behind a microphone. I have seen a lot of people use those headset mics. Nobody's hitting the notes that you're hitting and is screaming like you are. I don't know how well that's going to work with somebody. Right. Of, uh, with the dynamics and the way that I like sing yeah. farther away from the mic, it's just like, ah, I just need to be behind a good mic. <laughs> <laughs> the love for Alterbridge, Miles Kennedy, where's that coming from? Is your Was your dad a huge fan or was that the first album you bought or how'd you get into Alterbridge? My mom, actually, she introduced me to Alterbridge. Well, Kind of. I actually, I heard them for the first time on the radio and it was their song Rise Today. I was like, oh my gosh, what did my ears just hear? And it was before the Shazam days. It was before the Rewind Spotify days where you just look stuff up. So I literally would just sit by my radio like all day waiting to hear this song so I could hopefully like maybe remember a few lyrics so that I could like maybe type the lyrics into Google and see if it would pop up a song or like maybe the DJ would say who it was from. But anyway, I ended up finding out it was Alter Bridge. And uh, then I showed my mom and she was like, oh, yeah, actually, here's their CD. And she had Blackbird, which Rice Today was on that CD. And so I listened to the full album and then she ended up uh, getting all the albums pretty much after that. And I've just been obsessed ever since. They're my absolute favorite band. Yeah. Of all the <laughs> tours to get on, how do you guys get on Momstein twice? And did he say <laughs> one word to you in either tour? Because he did say hi to me once, believe it or wow. not. Wow. Yeah. That's one more word than most people. <laughs> I'll say it so you don't have to. He's a dick. I met that guy. I met that guy one time when I was a kid. I met this guy. He came to my town and he played and it was him and it was black and blue. And uh, there was a third act. I want to say Lita Ford or somebody. I can't remember. But I met him backstage and I said, I absolutely love Black Star or something like that. I don't remember exactly what I said. And he turned around and he said, he chuckled and he said, of course, I wrote it and then walked away. <laughs> 
No shit. Yeah, that's so Yngwie. <laughs> <laughs> How did you guys get that tour anyway? It was through a booking agent who had helped us out on a few other tours, other shows, and he just happened to also book for Ingve and knew that he was, uh, or wait, is that right? Oh, wait, no, I think our manager got us on with Ingve. But anyways, it's still all interconnected. Like some people that we had worked with previously, our manager got in touch with them and got us on the, the first Ingve tour in 2019. It was like 40 dates, something like that. And it was like the craziest tour ever. I mean, aside from like going through two transmissions and like literally driving around the entire United States of America and never getting a sound check and <laughs> never getting a green room or anything <laughs> at all. <laughs> Not even a high. No, it was actually, there were really amazing shows and it was a hundred percent worth it because these were places that we had never played before. And obviously a lot of opportunities to make new fans, which we did. So we made the most of it, but we did get to finally meet him at the very end. Like for the entire tour, we were not allowed to talk to him, but the last day, <laughs> I was talking to his bandmates because we're actually like good friends with with his bandmates at this point. And I was like, dude, can we just like say hi to him? It's our last show. It's been like almost three months. Like we just want to say thanks for having us on the tour. So he talked to him and we ended up getting to come in with the VIP group. So I was like, fine, whatever. I don't care. (laughs) And uh, when we went in there, I was expecting him to be very nonchalant and not really care. But he was on the contrary very complimentary. He was really nice. Said, you know, thank you for being on the tour. I think you guys are great. And we took a picture together. And then after that, he actually requested us to come back on tour with him this past year. He actually wanted us to be on the one this past winter as well, like with John Five, you know? So apparently he likes us. So we don't talk, but I think he likes us. And I'm good with sitting there with Ingve. How many people in your band? Four? Four. Four. That makes four people that like Ingve. That's good. <laughs> oh, man. I don't speak for my likes. hand. I speak for myself. <laughs> I, just, I just, I kid. I kid. I can't help it. But I'll tell you what, man. You guys got to open up for Ingve, and that's cool. And you made new fans. You're lucky that you were able to play on the same stage and not playing in the parking lot because it looks like exactly. he, it looks like he has his whole entire band off to the stage right. Yeah, they're the all way. scooted to the yeah. side. <laughs> Oh, and I'll just add this. He would never move his pedal board. Like once his mic and his pedal board were set on stage, they don't move. So I would always have to set up my pedal board like right behind his. And at first I was like, oh, this sucks. But then I was like, you know what? This does not suck. I'm literally like right in front of Yngwie Momsen's pedal board. Like what? That is so cool. So like I just was geeking out the whole time. I'm such a huge fan of him anyways. Like I think a normal person would probably take it personally and be insulted but i was like you know what he's the king it's fine paralandra was the level bands that we were worried about during this covid thing right it's like okay here's the up-and-coming bands and here comes this supposedly supposed to last six weeks and now we're at almost two years right that right obviously made a dent in what you guys were doing but do you feel like it stopped kind of the juggernaut that was kind of going on or do you feel okay and you feel like you recovered now and you can get back out playing live Honestly, we have just continued to grow even since COVID happened. Like, I think we took two months off of playing live shows and that was it. As soon as we were allowed to play, even if there was like, you know, limit on capacity or whatever, like 
we were playing almost every single weekend. Actually, we did a, did we do a tour? No, we didn't do a tour, but we definitely played like at least every weekend, you know, maybe even a couple times, but like, you know, there were like a lot of people out there that were just needing music. And, you know, there's obviously different perspectives in a lot of different areas of the country. And we live in Midwest. We live in Missouri, you know. So it's a different type of atmosphere out here. And I think a lot of places opened up sooner than a lot of other places. Did it kill the momentum of the band at all? Like any, like you probably had irons in the fire when COVID hit, meaning that you probably had planned tours, planned whatever. Did it kill that momentum? at all? I mean, no. Like, we did have tours planned and we did have really big shows planned. It sucked that they were canceled, but we decided to use our time in a different way. And that was writing and preparing to record Street Magic, which we were hoping to do the fall of 2020, I believe, ended up having to get pushed. Yeah, to 2021, early spring. But anyways, all that to say, like, you know, things definitely shifted. We ended up having to do things a little bit later than we were wanting to. But we had a lot of time to prepare and brainstorm. And honestly, I know it sucked for a lot of people and it sucked for a lot of different reasons. But it was also a huge blessing that we were able to step back and not have a bunch of live shows for a little while and to just focus on the business side of things obviously focus on what really matters, which is the music and writing music. So yeah, I think it worked in our favor. Yeah. You have uh, this life project thing going on with Josh Rand from Stone Sour. We listened to it a little bit today. How are you not spreading yourself too thin, right? Because you guys are up and comers. You're trying to get going, right? You got some traction. You're going to have to say no to some things at some point, right? How are you like staying organized (laughs) and that kind of stuff? It is madness. <laughs> it's so hard. Uh, but I love to stay busy and that's a good thing because I'm very busy now. But I, you know, Life Project started, I guess it would have been April of 2020 is when Josh reached out to me and we started writing songs. We ended up releasing our EP last summer, you know, just five songs. We've still been writing. We're still writing right now. I'm actually going up to Des Moines in two weeks to record another song. So we are getting ready to unleash the life project upon the world. I'm really excited. Besides just the EP that's already out, we have a lot more planned. So it's great. And it is really difficult to balance the two schedules. But luckily, I have a huge love for both of them. So I make time where I need to. Interesting. Steven mentioned the whole cover band thing. You guys kind of started as a cover band, right? Is that right? Pretty much. I mean, we've always had like the original songs, but we were booking gigs that were asking for a four hour show. So we just didn't have four hours worth of original material. (laughs) So (laughs) it was like, okay, uh, what's some of our favorite songs? And, you know, that's kind of how like the Lady Gaga covers started coming into play. We just started like taking the songs that like my dad already knew from like his cover band days, songs that worked really well for them Mm -hmm. and uh, stuff that I already knew. And then obviously just started playing some shows and seeing what people liked. And then we started kind of growing into a different direction as far as the covers go. Maybe not so pigeonholed into the 80s thing. We started covering other genres and obviously continued writing and building in our own songs into the set. So yeah, it's just been kind of like a progress and a growth over time. Uh, that's an old school bar band trick. They book you for four sets, four 45-minute sets or four one-hour sets. And within those sets, you would play eight cover songs 
of songs people wanted to hear. And then you would slip in that one original song and eventually people would start to request that one original song and start gravitating towards that. That's a tried and true method. Hats off. And you get better as a band playing all those sets. Oh, for sure. I mean, I will say this. I don't pride myself on many things. I try to stay humble, but as a band, we are very tight. I mean, we've been playing for you know almost nine years now. We practice at least twice a week still to this day after all this, these years. Plus, you know, we'll have like back-to-back shows, you know, four hours on Friday, four hours on Saturday. We did that for many years. We're just used to playing together and we've kind of gotten to a point where you know, the, it's a show, like all the songs kind of account for the dynamic of the whole show. So it's a very strategically planned concert. And I think it's helped us grow as a band. And I think it's also like kind of helped us in our own songwriting because we see what people like in other songs and we can kind of apply that towards our own. That's why I was surprised to not see a cover on Street Magic. Like I was like, these guys were a cover band. Most likely they'll pick the best cover they do. And if for nothing else, get a Wayfair fan to at least thumb through the songs and go, all right, let me try that one. At least I know the song kind of thing. Did you guys fight over, hey, we're going to put a cover on, now put a cover on? Uh, there was talks of maybe putting one cover on, but I was team all original. <laughs> so we ended up just going with all of our own. I mean, I think we brought 17 songs to the studio of our own, knowing that we were only going to record eight. So I was like, you know what? Like, we got to just put best of the best of our own stuff on here and you know hope that it's great plus we actually recorded and released a cover cassette a couple years ago it's got eight songs and uh actually i have one right here next to me a good send it to me i got a cassette yeah oh here (laughs) so yeah but we've got barracuda we've got dark cashmere which that is a mashup of Katy perry's dark horse and led zeppelin's cashmere we have Round and Round, Love Bites, Def Leppard, Not Hail Storm. Is the Round and Round Rat or Aerosmith? Yep. Rat? Yes, it's Rat. Sorry, okay. I should have specified. We have Faithfully Purple, which is a mashup of you know Journey and uh, Purple Rain, Prince. Then we've got Decadence Dance by Extreme, Still of the Night, and Stone in Love. So, is that boom. available and to purchase on your website? Yeah, we only sell the physicals. We decided not to do digital. We just are doing physical cassettes on this. But um, they are available for purchase on our website. And it was recorded completely live. So that was kind of like the fun thing about it. We were like, well, we've been playing these songs live for so many years. Like, we've got them down. We could record them in just a take and like, it would be fine. So we were like, let's just do it. So we rented out the venue that we use most in town called The Rift and hired a sound engineer. And we just set up one day and played through each of the songs, maybe three or four times, took the best take and put it on the cassette. So I have to mention this because I was thinking about it. And the more I talk to you, the more things pop up. But it really is. Uh, and I'm not insinuating anything by this this statement. I'm just, it's more or less just an observation, which is the crazy amount of similarities between you guys and Hailstorm. And here's what I, here's what I mean, right? Hailstorm, I think originally their dad was in the band way back when, yeah. when they were kids. She plays guitar and sings. You play guitar and sing. They do cover 2.0 cover CDs, whatever it is. 
I don't know. There's just a, like a lot of crazy similarities in you guys in Hailstorm, and and it's just observations more or less. But that's it. Yeah, if you really think about it, though, it's the same similarities as any other band. The only thing that is truly similar is that we are both girls. That's right. <laughs> because every other band is doing cover songs. Every yeah. other band, you know, has a family member next to them, you know, at some point. Like, it's very common. Yeah. So they're definitely a rock band. Yeah. We're a rock band. I just, I find us a completely different entity entirely. Yeah, it's a fair statement. So let me ask you this. You mentioned in an interview that you sent Elvis, the producer of Street Magic, new and old material before recording the album, right? Before recording the new album. And he ended yeah. up picking basically the opposite of what the band picked in terms of what you were going to focus on for the record. Yeah. Do those new tunes that you guys were high on, do they just get moved to the next record or do you end up reworking them or what, what happens to those songs that you guys were high on, but Elvis wanted to focus on different group of songs? Yeah. I mean, we still keep them alive. Mm -hmm. That is for sure. And uh, yeah, we save them for future albums. I mean, cause they're still like, in my opinion, good songs. <laughs> and of course I would always like to improve upon them. So you know, maybe next time we do one of the songs that we overlooked for this past album and we have a different take on it or like a different idea that might make it even cooler than it was, you know, last year or, or whatever. But it was kind of crazy, like, because we did, we had an idea of what Street Magic was going to consist of and it ended up being like very opposite <laughs> to what we thought. But even that being said, I am so glad that all the songs that were chosen were chosen because I just think it's perfect. I think it's a great grouping. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. I think it's important to note that, you know, as an artist, it's very personal for you. When you write a song, it's personal to you. Mm -hmm. And... I think this is where a lot of bands go wrong today. They want to do it yourself like a lot of bands do, and they end up producing it themselves. They end up doing everything themselves. I think it's important to have that outside ear that says, you know, I, I know you love this song and that's great, but there's just something about it that doesn't work for me. I'd rather focus on this. I think, you know, it might be tough and it might be, it might hurt your feelings a little bit for a couple of minutes, but whatever happened on Street Magic, I didn't hear any of the other material, obviously, but Street Magic is pretty damn good. <laughs> Thanks. It's yeah. actually kind of crazy because a lot of these songs, you know, are older and a lot of them were discarded from previous recordings. Like, oh, that's just not a very good song or that song doesn't suit your voice. Oh, actually, for example, Gypsy Rose was it's been around for probably five years or something like that we've been playing it live and tried to record it a few times but we were told that it didn't fit my voice very well so we shouldn't record it but i think that it actually fits my voice really well and so we recorded it this time and elvis thought so too <laughs> yeah. so it ended up working out but yeah just letting them kind of carry over it might pop up eventually maybe now is not its time but maybe two years from now will be its time so Gypsy Rose, I've listened to the album probably 20 times, and my favorite oh. song has changed a couple of times. Gypsy Rose is now my favorite song because there is something, there's a Daughtry feel 
to the verse melody. And I really uh-huh. love Daughtry, right? So it's like, there is something that's connecting this to me. And I don't exactly know what it is, but it has lately been my more favorite song. I found you just before you left. Your tongue to taste a final breath. I can see the death in you and me. The room was more than torn apart. Like shreds of paper in a storm also tell you and you know this because of the music that you listen to and the stuff that you know rock history is littered with songs that producers and outside people thought that were meh and then the band releases it the next album is their biggest song ever mm-hmm. right? and it ends up being the song that they're known for so sooner or later good songs just see themselves through yeah that's so funny i mean that's how we felt on for the record like because we wanted to release that years ago and we kept getting terrible recordings of it and we were like okay turns out this is just a terrible song like maybe we just keep trying to record it and it keeps turning out bad because it's just a bad song but so we had like this kind of negative feeling towards it but then elvis heard it and he was like oh that's a great song and now it's our most popular release so it's funny how they'll kind of find their way through they'll find their moment yeah have you thought about Like, how are you going to kind of stay grounded? Because kind of like what you mentioned, a female in the rock business, well, you know what? You're doing great. So people will start latching on to you, right? We need a female vocal on this. Like Elise Ridd had to deal with that. And, you Mm -hmm. know, Amy had to deal with that. It's just part of what rock is. That's just how it is. How are you going to kind of stay grounded? Because there's going to be people tugging at you here. I stay very close with my family. You know, I, I always run things by my family and my bandmates before I ever make any decisions, even though I am very impulsive (laughs) and spontaneous. Yeah. I always try to like get other people's opinions, hear 
it from an outside perspective before I ever jump on anything. It was kind of the same deal with whenever the life project presented itself to me. I was like, do I really want to do two bands? Like, that's going to be really tough. Because obviously Paralandra is like my baby. It's my life. It's part of me. And am I going to be able to share that with somebody else? And ended up deciding, you know what, this is a incredible opportunity and I want to do music as a career. And, you know, this is something that everybody agreed would be a good decision. And so I feel good about it. <laughs> but um, there's been other things that come up where I thought, oh, that could be so awesome. That'd be a great choice. And then I talked to people about it and they're like, yeah, but did you think about this and this and this? And I'm like, oh, no, I did not. Okay. So I try and keep everybody else's, you know, opinion around me as well to an extent, just my, you know, close family. But yeah. I saw a video today. I was going to talk about the same thing. <laughs> Were you? Uh, well, maybe it's a little bit different, but I'll, I saw this video today of you on stage with Lynch Mob doing Street Fighting Man. Yeah. <laughs> and I watched it and I was like, okay. He's got Keith St. John up there with him this time. I, you know, it's a revolving door for George. So, and and by the way, I got to say, the more and more I see George these days, is it me or does George remind you of like a Kung Fu master sensei with the white oh, hair, with the white yes. hair and the ponytail? That's, that's Lynch. That's He's he like, he, yes, Master Lynch. I will play it that way. Anyway, I, I, digre yeah. I digress. So I watched this video and you're doing Street Fighting Man and oh my God, you're killing it. You're belting it out. After it's all done, you belt out the last thing. I see George's face and I watch George's expression. And George, I don't know, I think he mouths something to the extent of holy shit. But you could see it in his face. If you watch that split second uh, right after it's it's done, and I don't know, somebody says, uh, where are you go?" George says, where are you going? He, he wanted you to stay. I didn't even hear him. I, I found that out later. Like, Dad, I want to stand up there. I, I was <laughs> like, yeah, you should just hire her to do the lynch mob yeah. shit. He texted me earlier. He goes, yeah, they should just hire her. I'm like, she's got a job. <laughs> <laughs> Now, that is one of those things where I would make room. I would take that opportunity. He works a lot. You know, you probably make a pretty reasonable paycheck uh, with Lynch Mob because he seems to work, you know, pretty regularly. But, yeah, you, it might yeah. not work for you because you might not have time to do other things. I don't know. Well, hey, I'm just saying I would make time for a Lynch tour. <laughs> I could definitely hear the Lynch Mob material. I could hear you doing that Lynch Mob material. In my head, I couldn't necessarily do it. But when I heard you do Street Fight Man, I was like, oh, yeah, that's not that big of a stretch from an Oni or a, a Robert Mason. So I was like, yeah, if she could pull that off. I would I would listen to River of Love. Yes. Oh, if we could just do the whole Wicked Sensation album front to back, I would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Who gets you to listen to new music nowadays? Like, who's the one in your ear going, oh, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to this. I would say my bandmates. And then also my boyfriend, Jaron, he's turned me on to so many bands and actually like some Lynch stuff. I had never heard the Dirty Shirley project that he did with Dino. And actually, Jaron turned me on to Dino Jalusic as well. But oh my gosh, just completely like blowing my mind with these current artists that are killing it out there right now. Another band, Evergrey, I had never heard of, but they are amazing. And it's great to see that there's still new music being made out there that is like heartfelt and sincere. And like 
also just made to be musical and not necessarily like the heaviest breakdown or whatever, but like some melodies, you know, I want something that's going to get stuck in my head. Yeah. Are you a Spotify person? Is that how you usually yeah, consume music? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the easiest way, right? It is for me. I actually, today I was listening to the rock hard playlist on Spotify and there's a new song by Muse that came on that I had never heard before. And it was amazing. I'm going to be listening to it on repeat probably all night. <laughs> so sometimes Spotify is where I find my new music as well. <laughs> We're always wondering what, you know, current musicians out there on the road kind of think about this, but you know, you grew up on Van Halen, you know, probably the biggest band right now out there. Iron Maiden is still huge, you mm-hmm. know, from the past, the Zeppelins, the Sabbaths, like, Will we ever have a Van Halen, a Sabbath, a Zeppelin, a Maiden again, or is there just too much out there? I have thought the same thing to myself, and I just don't know. I hope so, because I love that. I love the rock stardom, like that mystique. I don't know. It's something about like just seeing a person like on a poster and just being like, Oh my gosh, it's a God, like not even a real person. But I think that like social media has broken down that barrier. So that has kind of made the rock star thing go away. Mm -hmm. It'll never happen again. It's exactly that it's social media has ripped away all the walls. The rock stars now, I mean, for all intents and purposes is basically the everyday person on YouTube is a rock star now. You know, I mean, basically, Mm -hmm. they've got the millions and millions of views and subscribers. I mean, yeah, it's just a different, different era. It's kind of crazy. You wanted the best, and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. All right, so we are big KISS fans. Tell us about the KISS Cruise. So you guys got to be on the KISS Cruise. That's so awesome. We didn't I wasn't on that one. I was on the one this last year. I've not seen you guys live yet, which is killing me. And I gotta see you guys live because now I'm in the Midwest. But yes. Tell us about the KISS Cruise. Okay. KISS Cruise was awesome. We were voted in, uh, which was crazy because we actually forgot that we submitted ourselves and then just randomly got an email one day saying we were in the top ten. We were like, What? <laughs> oh yeah. Forgot about that, but So we ended up making it through to the top three, getting to go on the Kiss Cruise. I had never seen Kiss live before I went on the Kiss Cruise. So my first time seeing them in concert was on the boat. So that was like a really cool first Kiss concert for me. While we were on the boat, we got to do three sets. And I believe that, well, Gene was definitely at one of our shows. And maybe Paul... I don't know. I ran into Paul backstage during the Darknesses show at one point, and I totally froze up and literally sprinted away. It was crazy. <laughs> Listen, I want to tell you all, I want to tell you, you've been a dynamite audience, and you deserve to give yourselves a round of applause. Let's go. All right. I, like, I didn't realize I was standing right next to him, and it just, like, caught me off guard and I was in shock. I literally, he was right next to me and I just turned and he turned at the same time and we just made eye contact and I was just like, (gasps) run away. (laughs) I probably should have said hi or something. Missed opportunity. Did he wink at you and go, I'm the star child? (laughs) (laughs) I wish they had. 
I think what happened there is you ran away and somebody goes, well, I, I was going to introduce you to the lead singer of Paralandra, but there she is running away from you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that might have been what happened. I don't know. It was just so much and just so surprising. I don't know. It was crazy. So even like having never seen them before, the Kiss Cruise, and then I don't know. He's like another epitome of like stardom and like rock star. You know, they're just like they don't even seem like real people. And then when you see him in person, it's just like I don't know. I lose my breath. <laughs> it's crazy, but I love that. I wish that people would have like that same effect these days with musicians. You know, it's like it's a good feeling. I don't know how to explain it. I loved it. I love being starstruck. I think it's great. So I hope that that stays around <laughs> for a while. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. Do you guys think you're going to be able to hang out in the Midwest or somebody telling you, you got to go to New York or you guys going to have to move to Florida or LA or wherever? Mm. Like, are you getting those kind of talk already? I would not be mad if we had to move to Florida, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that we necessarily have to at this point no. because Missouri is like very central, you know, for the whole U.S. So we can really get to like either coast east or west, or we can go as far north or south as we need to within a day, typically. So it's actually a really nice location. The only thing is we don't have a lot of direct flights out of Springfield, so that can get expensive. But <laughs> I mean, when you're just kind of traveling and you're on the road in a van all the time anyways, you're just kind of driving everywhere. I really like the music scene in Springfield. Like if we were to move, we would have to kind of like start another grassroots in another town and I don't know. I, I like being in Springfield. I like this being home. Going back to the producer Elvis Basket, for folks that don't know, he worked with Slash and Seven Dust, Alter Bridge, Mammoth, Tremonti. How did you guys end up getting hooked up with him? Uh, we ended up getting hooked up with Elvis through his manager and our manager knowing each other. So it was honestly just like a crapshoot. We were like, let's just see if we could get in with Elvis Basket. He's like, then the guy that we, we've wanted to work with since day one, pretty much, obviously, because of my Alter Bridge obsession. Yeah. But yeah, so we were like, well, we've got this other guy that we were going to record with, which we really like and nothing against him at all. But Elvis would be like the pinnacle of producers. So we shot our shot and it landed. And uh, Elvis checked us out, apparently, and said he really liked what we had released, you know, to date and said he wanted to work with us. So we did. I don't know. It was crazy. It was all kind of a whirlwind. <laughs> so we've been talking a ton about you. We want you to gush on your band members a little bit. So tell us two fun things about your dad, Sawyer, Dakota. Okay, I can do. So fun facts about my dad. He is obsessed with German. He's been learning German on his little phone app for the past couple years. And that is like his daily thing is learning German. And he like tries to talk to us in it. And we always kind of like guess what he's saying. And obviously we're completely wrong. He'll say something. And I'll be like, Oh, you wanted me to put the hairspray inside the candle. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but um, anyway, so there's that also about my dad. What's another fun fact. 
so many fun facts. Well, we used to make tons of family movies together. He is a great story creator and movie director for home movies. I'll say that. <laughs> um, oh my God, those, those are going to come bite you in about 10 years from now. I'm just dude, telling you that I right now. I already told him, I was like, you're, <laughs> he has them all on his YouTube channel. It's a private account. I'm like, you are making those unlisted immediately. <laughs> <laughs> How about Sawyer and Dakota? Okay, so Sawyer, where do I even start with this guy? As of right now, he is like the most Ted Nugent lookalike person you have ever seen. He's got this new mustache that he's been growing that's like really thick. Looks like a broom from the 40s. It's like so gross, but it's also so awesome. Porn stash. (laughs) It's a porn stash. It is. You know who he looks like to me? He's got longer hair, but to me, he looks like Taylor Hawkins. Oh yeah, the drummer, the drummer from Foo Fighters with that mustache. Yeah. He very if similar. If he cut his hair short, yeah, very similar. <laughs> yeah, he is a mean grillsmith. He can make some barbecue ribs like nobody's business. You want a meal made by Sawyer? Everybody needs a meal made by Sawyer. Nice. So, and then Dakota. Okay, so Dakota is a master of impressions. He can nail like anybody, male or female, alien, whatever. Like, I don't know how he does it. He like, I think embodies like spirits of people and then he's able to project it out as them. I don't know. It's like a superpower. (laughs) His impressions are ridiculous. Dakota is definitely the clown of the band. He's very funny. And then let me think one other thing cool about him i mean there's so many awesome things about dakota actually we used to work together on the sales floor of the music store (laughs) music instruments or music uh music yeah musical instruments we were both on the sales floor well i worked there for like almost seven years selling guitars and amps and drums and all that good stuff he's a superhuman so another fun fact about dakota is that he was shot twice last year and survived Yeah, he's fully recovered. It's pretty insane. He was shot in the arm and in the head. And yeah, he's totally fine. It's amazing. Saving a a kitten or like a robbery attempt (laughs) or they were. Uh, He was at a co-worker's house and her ex came over, basically, long story short, and thought there was something going on and there wasn't. Wow. So he's in jail now. (laughs) Not Dakota. Not Dakota. (laughs) Not Dakota. Dakota well, not is, today. Not that we know of. Right, right. It's true. I haven't actually texted him today, but he was at band practice last night, so hopefully nothing's changed. That is scary shit. But yeah, he's he's a literal Superman. Deflected two bullets, even one with his head. And then whenever he went in for surgery, they were thinking it was going to take like nine hours. They brought in neurosurgeons and everything. And turns out the bullet was like just stuck in his sinus cavity, did not impact the brain or the like uh the sac that holds the brain so they didn't actually need the neurosurgeons and the surgery only ended up lasting like 90 minutes so he just blew it out with some tissue <laughs> yeah. yeah just like sneeze real hard into this <laughs> superhero absolutely <laughs> so but you would never know it i mean he's he's literally a hundred percent back like it only took him a couple months i just i've never even heard of someone surviving something like that, let alone bouncing back and being better than ever afterwards. So, yep, he is a beast. So what about you? Two things for you. 
Okay. So one thing people probably don't know about me is that I was an athlete for most of my life. My passion was first sports and, uh, well, it was, I guess it was always music too, but I was more focused on sports for the first part of my life. I did gymnastics for like 10 years competitively. And then I ended up transitioning into playing volleyball and running track. And I ended up scholarshipping on volleyball and track in college and did those for a year. I have the high school high jump record still at my high school. <laughs> Sounds like you check it every once in a while. That's a little weird. I should check it every once in a while, actually. I just have never been told that it's been broken, but I'm just going to assume it hasn't. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like really into sports. I still play volleyball a lot, at least like once a week, wherever I can. There's a lot of leagues here in Springfield uh, for sand and like court ball. So I still love to stay involved in sports. Let me think of something else that people might not know. You got any weird hobbies, like jumping out of planes or stuff like that? Well, I have skydived before. Oh. It would be a fun hobby. I would do it again. I also went scuba diving in Australia once to try and overcome my fear of the ocean. It did not work. I'm still oh. scared. Oh, man. <laughs> scuba diving. Well, you awesome. were on the cruise a couple of times. <laughs> I know. You were okay on the boat? The whole time. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, though. But yeah, scuba diving in Australia. So there's another fun fact. <laughs> Cassandra, this has been awesome. We've learned so much about you and Paralandra and your band. Uh, we really appreciate you taking out the time uh, to spend with us today. Thank you for having me. I just, I really appreciate you listening to the music above all else. Thank you for checking out Street Magic and featuring us on your show. It means a lot. Thank you for keeping rock and roll alive. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, you'll talk to podcasts and radio folks and people in the music industry and everybody's, oh, you know, I love that music. I love that new music. I love that. I can be a straight pain in the ass. I don't like all new music. Who the fuck is Sonny Pony? I like new music, but I don't like all new music. And mm -hmm. there's people that send me stuff all the time. And I'm like, dude, why, why are you listening to that? That's terrible. <laughs> it is so refreshing to hear a band that hits me immediately. And you guys hit me immediately, right? Now it helps that my best friend knows the kind of music I like. So when he sends it to me, there's usually a high hit rate. So he doesn't send me much. But when he sends it and it's good, because like I remember when he first sent Amaranth, I'm like, oh my God, dude, what the hell is this band? And then I totally got into him, right? Yeah. Same thing with you guys. Keep doing what you're doing because you guys rock. Oh, thank you. I'm going to keep doing it as long as I'm allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I got to say, Sonny and I don't agree on a whole lot. So uh, when he suggests something, I kind of roll my eyes and stick my nose <laughs> up at it, to be honest. So it was a really refreshing surprise that I actually liked you guys. And I did. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, so promise us you'll come back on the show and bring your dad with you and we'll talk, uh, just talk rock and roll. Absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Cassandra Carson from Paralandra, thank you so much for being a part of the Grown Up Rock podcast. Hollywood, do you have anything to add before we get up on out of here? No, thanks for listening. Go check out Street Magic. Paralandra also has a website you can buy stuff on. So I'm going to go buy this cassette as soon as we're done here, to be honest with you. Nice. <laughs> we'll put all the links to the website in the show notes so you guys don't have to write it down while you're going down the highway at 80 miles an hour because we don't want you wrecking. So anyway, go support Paralandra, and that's it. We will talk to you guys next week. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.